This is the Restoration Nation podcast, episode number 22. Education. Collaboration. Motivation. You're listening to the Restoration Nation podcast, the cleaning and restoration industry's premier source for industry news, peer-to-peer interviews, and inspirational content. Join host Joshua Soloway, along with industry leaders, as we take our entrepreneurial journey together. Welcome to the Restoration Nation. Welcome back, listeners, to the Restoration Nation podcast. As always, we appreciate your time and hope you're excited to learn with us today. If this is your first time listening to the Restoration Nation, thank you for joining us. Our goal is to deliver education, collaboration, and motivation to leaders in the cleaning and restoration industry. My name is Joshua Soloway, and I'm your host. Every episode, we have the pleasure of bringing on a guest to share with us from their bank of knowledge and expertise. Today, we welcome Mr. Jack Dennison to the show. Jack is a top business coach who helps restoration companies grow their businesses. His company is The Restoration Entrepreneur. And as you may have guessed it already, today's topic will be on growing our businesses. Entrepreneurs in our industry are always looking forward to ways to expand our horizons, and Jack is going to share his thoughts on this very subject today. So with that, we welcome Jack to the show. Jack, can you hear me, and how are you doing today? I can hear you just great, Josh. Thank you for inviting me to the broadcast. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Jack. And on behalf of the listeners, we definitely appreciate your time. We know you're, you're a busy man and, and you have an important role helping companies in our industry. So uh, we definitely value you in your time on your busy day today. So with that, Jack, how about you take a moment to just introduce yourself, give us a little bit about your background before we dive into the topic here. Well, I live in Colorado and I'm actually a former restoration company owner. I began my restoration company as a mitigation only became full service after a couple of years, became an award-winning company, sold our business, uh, moving into a kind of retirement, and uh, found that there were others that were interested in our growth strategies, and we began the Restoration Entrepreneur, and for the last year, we've been helping others grow their business like we grew ours. So you drank the Kool-Aid, now you're helping other people continue to drink the Kool-Aid, right? It's a wonderful industry. It's a high energy, you know, high demand but uh, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy talking about these things and talking with contractors, and I, I love helping people. So it's been a wonderful experience and transition for us. Very cool, Jack. So thank you again for that introduction. We're excited to hear from you today. And as you know, the subject here today is company growth. And I would imagine the audience and the people listening here today would have many different opinions or perspectives of the term company growth. So why don't you maybe define that for us as we head into the discussion here today? Well, there's a lot of different ways in which a company can grow. For us at the Restoration Entrepreneur, when we use that language, we're talking specifically about accelerating top-line revenue growth and improving bottom-line profit growth. So for us, it's all about revenue and profit and growing a company. Perfect, perfect. And I think that's would get anyone listening to this excited and would be a focus of many business owners and, and leaders in this industry. And I'd like to open up the questions with, you know, when it comes to company growth, how can owners or leaders know that their company is ready? Because I think maybe many people think they're ready, but they might not be. So what's a good indicator that they're prepared to take the next steps to grow their top line revenue and increase their profits, as you stated earlier? Well, it's my belief that every restoration company can grow their business and most are attempting to. You know, there's only so many ways that you can go about growing a business and knowing what those ways are and how to go about achieving each one is really important. 
So most growth strategies, uh, I believe, are really not that hard and can produce a dramatic impact in a, in a company. So let me give you an example of that. So the single greatest opportunity that mitigation-only companies are facing is becoming full service. Now, when you say that to mitigation-only companies, I mean, there's a whole array of reasons why they feel they can't do that. You know, I don't have a construction background. I don't know how to do that. The, uh, the margins are too small. There's too many problems, I'm told, and all kinds of reasons. But the truth is, I believe, there's no good reason for a mitigation company not to step into full service. And, and let me back that up with just a few numbers for you, because I think you'd be interested in hearing this. The average mitigation job in America is about $2,500. So it would take 400 mitigation jobs to get to that magical $1 million mark, which most companies want to hit and exceed. Well, 400 jobs is a ton of work. Trying to acquire, to, to secure those many jobs year after year, I mean, that's a monumental task in and of itself. But the average size of a reconstruction job is $10,000. So if we took an average uh, size mitigation-only company doing $500,000 of revenue, 200 jobs a year, and we got the build back for each one of those, we would multiply the 200 by 10,000, and that would provide $2 million of revenue. Now, if we could hit the 50% profit mark, which I believe is doable on most damage repair jobs in the in insurance industry using Zactimate pricing, I mean, you've got a million dollars in profit alone. That's equal to or greater than the gross revenue for the mitigation-only company. So there is an enormous opportunity. There's no reason not to do it. It's not that hard to do it, and yet it can make just an absolutely enormous uh, difference for a mitigation company. Now, for new companies that are just starting out, trying to gain traction in their marketplace, now listen to this, it takes just 80 mitigation and rebuild jobs to secure that same million dollars in gross revenue. So if they can get 80 mitigation jobs and secure the build back at the same time, which is normally expected, they can do a million dollars in revenue. So there's a lot of opportunities out there, many of which we feel we can't do, shouldn't do, won't do. But if we just opened up our hearts and minds and took a look at the opportunity, got some help if it was needed to uh, implement the strategy, it could be absolutely transformational to their business. It's a great point, Jack, and thank you for, for allowing us to kind of open our mind to that because I know a lot of mitigation contractors are kind of closed off to that idea of becoming full service or, or rebuild, whatever you want to call it. And I think if you look back further in those companies' histories, I think so many of them across the industry started as carpet cleaners or janitorial and the water damage mitigation, fire damage restoration, all that kind of stuff was so big and so daunting. And now it's an everyday thing for them. I would, I would imagine that transitioning or adding on the rebuild would be a similar psychological process. Would you agree? I think there are psychological barriers, you know, getting into something they're not familiar with. But really, the, you know, the point for me is, and, and, and to tell you the truth, that's exactly what I did. When I began my mitigation-only company, uh, I'll, I'll confess to you and to everyone listening, I knew nothing about construction. Now, over the years, I learned, I didn't go to any classes, I learned, how, I learned enough about construction to be a really good owner and to grow our business well. 
but I never strapped on a belt. You know, I was never out banging with a hammer, but I learned the construction industry and how to lead and be a good owner of a full service company. And it just wasn't that hard. You bring the people around you who do have that experience, you know, a construction estimator, which is key to that, uh, really the legitimacy of being full service. But with those kind of people and the learning that occurs, the opportunity is just absolutely dramatic and it can be life-changing for the owner and for his business. That's that's pretty cool and powerful stuff, Jack, because I think a lot of people would resonate with that. They don't have the extra, construction experience or they're intimidated by that other side of the coin. And uh, you're, what you're saying is we don't necessarily need it. You just need to be a good leader, a good manager, and and learn enough that you can facilitate projects and and take your company to the next level. Am I correct? That's absolutely right. That's what I believe. I experienced it, and I'm helping others do that right now. Pretty neat. And uh, this is a little side question, but is there any stats that uh, show closing percentage of companies that do the mitigation and they land the rebuild? Does that make sense? Well, in the insurance industry, when a, when a mitigation-only company shows up at a customer's door, you know, they're standing there in ankle-deep in water, and the mitigation-only contractor says, I'm here to do your extraction, and I'm going to dry out your house, but you're going to have to find somebody else to do the construction. You know, it's like, what? You know, they say, right. well, I don't know anything about construction, and how do I find somebody to do that? I mean, the point is that there is a built-in expectation that the person who shows up at their door, whether they've found them through some Internet or Yellow Pages or whatever – or have been assigned by an insurance carrier, they expect you to do it all, and they're disappointed when you don't. So if they expect you to do it all, you see the financial opportunity that it can present, why not do it all? Good point. I like that. Sometimes we get too caught up in looking at things from our perspective, when in reality, look at the customer's shoes. They're, you're there, you're helping them out in a tough situation, and then you're kind of leaving halfway through the process in their mind to some degree. That's right. You're abandoning them, and they don't want that. They want you to do it all. Correct. Correct. All right, Jack. No, good point there. Thank you for that. And let's get back to the leadership thing because we started to get into that. How can leaders take steps to plan for the growth that you're talking about? Well, you know, owners are both managers and leaders. Uh, your management team are simply managers. Um, Jackie and I determined in our ownership that, I mean, we really did need to be the leaders of the company, which means we needed to determine vision and goals and direction and and, um, you know, lead the company forward in our growth strategies and efforts. We, we couldn't leave that to the management team. And we felt that we were as responsible to be good owners on behalf of the company as any employee needed to be a good employee of the company. And if we didn't do the right things, if we didn't lead, then that wouldn't happen. So we took that responsibility, and I think owners need to consider themselves good leaders. They need to think about their growth strategies. They need to set time aside. We've all heard that you need to work uh, on your business as well as in your business. And if we're not doing that right now, I mean, you just got to do it, because if you don't, it's not going to happen. So if you want to grow your business, you've got to take charge of yourself and your business. You've got to set some goals. You've got to pursue those goals, get some information, get some help. But just do it, you know, just uh, jump in with some goals, see what you learn, see what works and doesn't work, and take steps to continue to move your business forward. Perfect, Jack. And I'd like to ask, I don't want to put you on the spot. Actually, I do want to put you on the spot. Maybe an example from your personal experience or maybe one of your clients who you've seen uh, someone struggling with just being in the trenches all the time and they, they can't get out of their own way. And I think 
a lot of people know what I'm talking about here. They need to jump out of that in the grind and be able to move into a mode where they're working on their business. Do you have an example of a, or a success story of someone, it could be yourself, that was able to do that? And what specifically did they work on? Well, so I guess a couple of thoughts there. Um, I've written a blog about this. I've become a pretty prolific uh, blogger as I just reflect on my own experience and try to share helpful information to others. But I have a blog in which I, I share the day that changed my life. And for me, it was coming out of a out of a contractor connection seminar. And uh, as I share the story, I don't even remember what the subject was, but I just came out of that with this strong sense of revelation almost that I was spending way too much time working in my business and I wasn't doing much working on it. Now we were growing and great things were happening and all of those things, but it just came home in a way that had never occurred before. I've got to spend regular focused time strategizing, planning, assessing. You know, I've got to assess how well we're doing. I've got to learn from what's working and what's not. I've got to continue to make changes and get new information and connect with people who can guide my path and all of those good things that will help the business continue to move forward, both at a growth level as well as a quality level. Because you're always dealing with customer service issues and relationships with insurance carriers and just your own crew in terms of the quality of person and quality of their own production and contribution. So coming to that point where you recognize that if you don't do that, you're actually hindering the growth process is a, was a game changer. And so I made some significant changes. I wrote those things down. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to start and stop. And uh, it was a life-changing moment for me and uh, contributed all the more to a focused effort to grow uh, the company. And, and I should say, again, when we're talking about growth, most of the time we think about and we talk about how to increase revenue, but how to improve both per job profit and net profit is e equally as important. And for many companies, they could begin today focusing on internal operational issues that are, is going to increase net profit. And that in itself could become a transformational uh, issue for them. In fact, let me just, because this is so important, and I think this is such a word of encouragement, let me just give you this one example. So imagine that you have a $5 million company earning a net profit of 10% and therefore you know, achieving $500,000 in net profit at the end of the year. And then you've got another company that does $2.5 million of annual work at 20% net profit and they're setting aside the same $500,000 of profit at the end of the year. Now, which company would you rather be? Well, of course, 20, you know, 20% profit. Everyone intuitively understands that. And one of the reasons is it's easier to grow from $2.5 million to $5 million than it is from $5 million to $10 million. So that's the revenue side. But improving your profit margin from, you know, some that are doing 5% to 10 or from 10 to 15 you know, you should expect in our industry a net profit of somewhere around 17 to 20 percent. And if you're not doing that, then there's some great opportunities for uh, operational assessment, taking charge of, you know, your construction division and other areas where so much profit is lost and seeing a significant increase there. Because in the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's not how much money you've made, it's how much money you've kept. And so profit really is the driving issue. And we need to give good attention to that as well.
Perfect, Jack. And I think that was a good segue into the next question here. I wanted to talk about setting growth targets. You, you talked about your moment, and hopefully people listening are having a moment right now where they need to realize they need to work on their business, not uh, work on their business, not in their business necessarily. How do they know how to set good growth targets? Uh, it, it's I find it's easy to be on an island in this industry to some degree, and that's what motivated me to start this podcast so people can share ideas and best practices. But I mean, it's not like everyone across the industry opens up their books to each other and this comes, right. you know, you know that the average profit's this and the average revenue's this. How do we know how to set good growth targets that are realistic for our firm where we are today? Well, I think any target setting is good. Targets are goals that we are trying to reach. And it's an amazing thing, the way that we're wired as human beings, is that when we set a goal, uh, we want to reach it. And so we just intuitively begin to uh, make changes, we start to assess and evaluate, we gather information, we move things around in order to bring about better alignment of our work, all in an effort to reach the goal. So just the sheer fact of setting a goal that's out there in front of you that you're going to try to reach can become pretty impactful for most owners and companies um, in and of itself. In our work, we emphasize setting revenue goals. And that's a goal for each revenue stream. So that would be your mitigation, your contents cleaning, construction, roofing, whatever source of revenue that you regularly receive, you should set a profit margin goal. And I think, you know, profit margin goal should look something like this. For mitigation, owners should expect a 75% profit margin on mitigation work. On contents cleaning, 65%. On construction, uh, build back and rebuild work should be 50%. And roofing, you should seek a 40% profit margin. So if you've set 50% for construction, and of course most uh, restoration companies are not doing that, even though they can, the sheer fact that you've set a goal at 50% means then that you need to start to evaluate how well you're doing. And so that's largely a function of job costing. Companies should be job costing every job. Many smaller companies don't. So let's just say you take two or three construction jobs at the front end. Here we've got a $7,500, a $12,000, whatever. We're going to take two or three, and we're going to track it from front to, to back, from start to finish. We're going to gather every receipt together, and when the job is over, I'm going to take a look at those receipts and see what I learned, see how well did we do, what profit margin did we reach. And if we didn't hit a 50%, we start to assess why. We begin to see certain trends taking place. We find multiple uh, receipts on the same day. Well, what does that tell me? It tells me my guys are spending too much time at the, at the uh, store and not enough time on the <laughs> job site. Yep. We see um, 15 sheets of drywall, and we go back and look at the estimate, and we see the estimate only called for 10. Ah, so they're overbuying. Or we see a, a $200 sink in there, and we think, $200 sink? And you go back into the estimate, and you find that the estimate called for a $90 sink. And so, you know, there's no price controls. There's no volume controls. And we see that we're losing a lot of profit by things that we can change. And by recognizing those things, it puts you in a position to take control, make changes, coach and train, redirect, replace, if necessary, crew in order to get them doing what you really need them to do, and that is protecting the per-job profit. So, you know, setting those revenue goals for each source of your revenue, 
is just a powerful experience, and I recommend it for everyone. And I think those goals that I just mentioned uh, should be adopted. They are the right goals. They're reachable goals, and uh, it'll get you doing the best in order to make the most, and that's what we all want to see happen in our business. Nice job explaining that, Jack. I can't emphasize that enough with, with people listening here just to dig into every job here and, and really understand your cost. You know, it's important to measure it and then analyze and then adjust because that's the only way you get better. Thank you for that, Jack. And let's let's take a moment here, change gears a little bit. Let's say people listening are already doing these things. Let's say they have targets per revenue line. They're reviewing every job. Um, they're, they're doing all the things, but they're just stalling or having trouble with and they're missing their growth targets. Any common denominators you see with your clients or from your experience that you see why, why people are struggling or just missing the target? Well, for some owners, there are, um, there are features and factors within our industry that they just aren't aware of. Uh, I find one of the biggest keys uh, having to do with our estimating practices and with Zactimate. So we're all using Zactimate as our um, estimating platform, but I find and I have found that there are certain internal features and factors that that really go unnoticed. I was just talking with a contractor who does over $3 million in full service a year, and so I started asking him questions about how he does certain things, you know, like, you know, do you uh, give numbers to your subs for labor, um, you know, for labor costs, or do you have a couple go out and take a look and give you a bid? And most do the, do the latter. And if, if that's how you work, where somebody else is giving you the numbers, uh, it's going to be pretty hard for you to take control and control those issues and secure your profit margin. And the truth is that when Zactimate is fully utilized and some of those internal features, it allows you to take control of your material costs, your labor costs, where you're still giving really good numbers that are readily accepted by your subcontractors, but it secures your profit margin and puts you in control and takes you to a different level. And the, and the, the point of all of that is, which can be um, made as a general statement across the board is that many contractors just don't know the tools that are available to them. They just don't understand some of the the operational uh, strategies and approaches that could be used um, to take control and make a real difference within their company. And so talking to somebody else, meeting people, you know, meeting resource people on LinkedIn, talking to other franchisees within their association, within their network, getting a mentor, a coach, a friend, but somebody who can provide that information could be just life-altering for them. Our biggest issue is not the desire to grow, it's the know-how. And once you know how, it's not that hard. Um, so, you know, we're talking about inspiration, where you suddenly become aware of some insight that you never had before, and you say to yourself, you know, like, how did, how did I miss that? How did I never see that before? And now that I do, it makes all the difference in the world. Well, those moments of insight, whether they come from reading a book or talking to a friend or sitting in a seminar or, you know, connecting with someone on LinkedIn or whatever, those uh, inspirational moments are just really critical because they unlock, you know, the how-tos and the what-tos, and uh, suddenly you know what to do, and off you go and you do it, and uh, it makes an impact upon your business. 
tremendous stuff, Jack. I'm quite motivated. I, I kind of want to just go back to the office and get pounding away here at my <laughs> own stuff. <laughs> we got to finish the interview, of course. <laughs> but uh, cool. But we are we are winding down on time, Jack. I do want to leave some time at the end for you to tell us about your company and how we can get a hold of you and all that stuff. But how about we just leave the floor open here? And if you want to, I know you did a good job summarizing right there. But is there anything we left out of the conversation or question that I, I should have asked that you'd like to address with the audience at the moment? Well, I think the one thing that I would like to share with everyone is simply this, and I guess I've been saying it all through here, but it's sort of a capstone. And and the word of encouragement is your business can grow, you know, and it should grow. You want it to, and it can. So I'm absolutely convinced of that. I've seen that in the lives of others. It is just absolutely amazing what can happen uh, when we set our mind to grow our businesses. So you know, be encouraged. There is help out there. There are all these sources that I've just made mention of. And if you want your business to grow, it can and it will. And, um, you know, I just uh, wish you all the very best in your efforts to do that. But don't give up. You know, don't give up. Don't let fear immobilize you or negative thinking, bad thinking, uh, immobilize you from taking those steps. Don't ever let fear uh, be the, the killer of hope and commitment, uh, you can grow your business. Well said, Jack. I don't think I can say anything or add anything to that. It was just uh, perfectly stated. So thank you very much. And we will transition to closing out the program here. We want to thank you for your time. And uh, as if we need any more motivation from what you've already uh, provided for us today, we would like to end with a positive quote in your favorite business book. You've obviously uh, had a lot of great influence in your life to motivate you and, and help you succeed, but share with us some of your resources that, are, that have helped you in the past. Well, in terms of the uh, of reading, and of course, when you're, when you're running a restoration business, you don't have a lot of time for reading, but during those vacation periods and, you know, the, the few moments where there was a chance to pick something up, uh, I personally am looking to be inspired. Um, I want my eyes open to new possibilities. So I'm looking for high-level books like, you know, The Good to Great and The Built to Last by Jim Collins. So I, I want and value inspiration. Uh, I'm an intuitive nuts and bolts kind of person. So once my eyes are open to vision and I have insight, then I can pretty well put the processes together around that vision in order to make something happen. So it's that kind of reading. You know, most probably look at the how-tos, and the how-tos keep you focused on whatever the, you know, the issue is the writer is talking about. I, I think people really need inspiration. Uh, in fact, and I'd like to, you know, I'd like to tell you this, this story about inspiration. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's all about who you hang out with, what do you talk about, you know, where do you go to, to decompress and, and, and all of that. You know, so you don't want to hang around, you know, negative talking, thinking people. When you go home and talk to your spouse, you don't want to tell them about all the bad things that happened during the day. I mean, it would be much rather, much better to sit down at the dinner table and say, say, honey, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I need someone to talk to about these issues. You know, will you help me think about, you know, this, you know, whatever it is, whatever the issue is, if it's growth or, or something else. And, and see, that's exactly what my wife, Jackie, and I did. We ran our business together. Uh, you know, we're, we're inseparable people. Uh, when you find one, you find the other. And, and so we, we refer to ourselves as the two Jacks because when you get one, you get the other. And so, you know, we have a, a rare and a wonderful relationship in that we do everything together, including running our business. And so our practice uh, regarding inspiration 
is that um, a lot of nights after we closed the business and went home, we would stop at our favorite restaurant, and we would sit there at the bar sipping margaritas and eating chips and salsa. And one night the owner uh, came over and bought us a round of margaritas. And he said, I'm just so grateful. I see you guys here all the time and think that's really wonderful. And so I want to say thank you. And so I said to him, I said, Jorge, you know, Jackie and I run a business and we come here most nights uh, after we've had a really bad day and we need to decompress. Or if we've had a really good day and we've got something to celebrate. I said, we're generally here four or five nights a week, <laughs> you know, and we laughed about that. But it's really true. Our best business decisions were made there. Um, our most creative thinking, the inspiration that led to action, our commitments to one another and to our business. I mean, our business was changed while we sat there on those stools, sipping margaritas and and eating chips and salsa. And so to this day, when we have had our, a bad day over something or if we've had some real wonderful win, we still go back there because it's the place of inspiration for us. And so others need to find something similar. It's a person. It's a place. It's a thing that you do that allows you to decompress, to exhale, to think creatively, to make decisions and commitments uh, as you move forward in you know, changing your life and changing your business and even the way that you relate to your own, uh, you know, your own personnel. You, you want to be a good boss, a good person, a good husband, and uh, you've just got to have you've got to take time to think about those things and make some plans and stay in touch with how well you're doing. Very cool, Jack. I laugh multiple times as you're going through that explanation. It's very relevant to all of us. And I got to say, it's a first for the Restoration Nation because after every show, we put on show notes and, and highlights from the episode and links to all your stuff. But I think this is going to be the first show notes page on the website that we're going to have to put your uh, favorite margarita recipe on. What do you think? <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, find a, find a place. That's right. And uh, something else that I thought of while you were speaking is, uh, I forget where I heard this, but to the listeners, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you mentioned finding a mentor and, and being, you know, staying away from negativity and all that stuff. So hopefully as you get your day started or whenever you're listening to this, you've already spent time with Jack and myself. So I'd like to think that's two pretty decent people for your day that you've uh, spent time with. So uh, right. hopefully we get all the listeners off into a, to a good start or at least have gotten something out of this episode. Jack, why don't you close us out now and just tell us, I know the listeners probably want to get in touch with you or learn more about your business, you and Jackie. How can they do that? Well, we're, um, we're on the, uh, in LinkedIn, so you can look, take a look at our LinkedIn profile, so both Jack or Jackie Dennison. We have a website, growmyrestorationbusiness.com. Our company is the Restoration Entrepreneur, and so we should be pretty easy to find and would love to hear from folks and just talk about issues you're facing and who knows, that might even lead to a more uh, formal consulting agreement and uh, would love to get involved and in step with you and help you grow your business. Cool. Well, that's perfect, Jack. And thank you again for your time. I know the listeners have definitely enjoyed this and gotten a lot out of it. And for those of you listening in your vehicles, driving around, I encourage you when you get back to the office or home, visit therestorationnation.com and I'll post all the notes from our conversation here with Jack today. And I'll also put links to his LinkedIn page and a couple of websites that he's mentioned so you can make sure and reach out. Maybe even just say thanks, Jack, for, for being on the show. I learned a lot. And if there's an opportunity to work with him in the future, 
I would definitely encourage you to do so. So with that, Jack, thanks for being on the Restoration Nation. We definitely appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Josh. You do a great job, and it really was a privilege being with you today. Cool. Well, thank you very much. I'm humbled to have you on here, and maybe we could do it again sometime. What do you think? I'd love it. I'd love it. Let's do it. And thanks again, listeners. Remember to visit therestorationnation.com, and we will see you again next week. Thank you. Education. Collaboration. Motivation. You've just listened to the Restoration Nation podcast. Make sure to visit www.therestorationnation.com for show notes, resources, and other valuable content. Visit the Contact Us page to provide feedback, request an interview, or inquire about sponsorship. Thank you for spending time with the Restoration Nation.